Hello, everybody. How you doing? Um, I am. Uh, I'm on the road. <laughs> I'm. Uh, I'm promoting this. Uh, this book of mine. Um, this Parsha book, which <laughs> you, if you like this class, you should. You should get because it's. Uh, it's that's that's what we that's what we do here. Um, here's a here's a link. I'm on, I'm on the road, and I just flew from Phoenix to Denver. Um, this morning, I just raced into this hotel room, and I probably should have canceled this class, but I just, I like the idea that, you know, that this should happen every week, because that's, that's the idea, right, is that we're always in the weekly Parsha, um, so um, forgive me if, you know, I'm a little um, scrambled today, uh, well, not scrambled, but I, you know, I'm a little rushed, and that's, um, that's okay, because that's that's actually the parsha that we're in. We're in a parsha of rushing. Um, the we 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 come upon our heroes, the Israelites, as they are rushing out of Egypt, and that's where we're. Um, that's exactly where we're at. The um, the the plagues have happened. The last plague last week, the death of all of the firstborn in the land of Egypt, um, finally um, finally did the trick. Finally cracked. Um, Pharaoh open and um, and uh, the people uh, uh, were released. He released the people and um, and he uh, hold on, just trying to find the link here. Um, and so um, and so that's what that's where we're that's where coming in is when is is the people's uh, journey out of the land of Egypt. Okay, the Exodus began last week, and it now it it can it it. It it really takes off and will take off right into the, the right into the sea. So um, uh, there's a problem here that I said I'm a little rushed. So why did I why even do class? Well, because I do have something that I want to think through with you. There's a there's a, a dilemma here, and maybe it won't take the whole hour. Maybe we'll just look at it and think about it for a while and it'll be a shorter class and that's fine too. But um, there is a problem that I've always struggled with in Parshat B'Shalach, in this um, this week's Parsha. And it comes right up right at the beginning of the of the Parsha. So let's just dive right in and, uh, and take a look at, let's see, make sure I can, I'm having some trouble with the, the uh, copy and paste for some reason prove is proving to be a problem. I had this problem last week too, and I don't know what it is. Okay, but you know what? I can think my way around this. So give me one second. Okay. Okay. Can you, Vera, turn this into a link? Oh no, that should work. All right. Tell me, everybody, if that works. Um, let's say a blessing together. And then, uh, and then we'll dive in. Dive in is a good, uh, that's, that's a good idiom for this week. Okay. Baruch HaTadonai, Eleina Melech HaLam, Asher Kichanu B'Mitzvotav, Etzivanu, Lasok B'Divrei Torah. Okay, all right. Just rushed into my hotel room. So I'm in the spirit of this week. So rushing, rushing, rushing. And here's where we begin. Um, this week's uh, Parsha has, just as Bishalach, when God sent the children of Israel uh, out, they... They went out. They left from Ramses and they arrived in Sukkot. And this is um, this is the scene. The Eternal said to Moses, "Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp before Piacherot, between Migdol and the sea. Before Balzaphon, you shall camp facing it by the sea." This is just a little bit of a just to give us a sense of what they're up to, they're moving around. There's a lot of commentary on, wait, it seems like they're going backwards, they're circling around. What's the strategy here of all of the movement? Okay, so this just gives you a sense of the Israelites. And God says, do this, turn around, and then and then Pharaoh will say, and this is God describing Pharaoh, and Pharaoh will say about the Israelites, they are astray in the land, they're lost. The, Maimonides calls his guide to the perplexed, the more nevuchim, right? The guide to the, to those who are lost. So that's the language here, nevuchim, they're, they're, they're astray in the, in the land. And the wilderness has closed in on them. That's actually the language here. 
Sagara lehim amidbar, the desert has trapped them. Okay, then I will stiffen Pharaoh's heart, so that he will pursue them, and we know that that happens. Pharaoh gives chase. And we also have seen this language before. Maybe you haven't, so let me just say it. One of the strange things about the story, one of the all-time classic questions about the, the Exodus narrative is that God continues to harden Pharaoh's heart which seems to make Pharaoh more resistant or uh, more to, 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 to relinquishing, which seems to make Pharaoh more stubborn. Why is God participating seemingly in the hardening of Pharaoh's heart? But we have that language here as well. So um, here it is, God's strengthening, in this case, Pharaoh's heart so that he gives chase to them. Okay, why? We could already begin to ask the question here. Why would God want Pharaoh to give chase to them? Why? That seems like we're done. It's over. Like, let's go. Everything's fine. Pharaoh, let us go. We're going. It's all over. And, and yet, um, God says, I'll stiffen Pharaoh's heart. Um, and again, another language, the Ikavda the Pharaoh, and I will um I will gain glory through through um uh Pharaoh. I will I will become glorious through Pharaoh. And all of his army. And then all the Egyptians will know that I am the eternal. All of Egypt shall know that I am God. And they did so. And they did so, meaning they turned back and they're camping around. But this little prelude here that, oh, now they're going to come after you. And then I'm going to gain glory. I will be Ikavda. Uh, through Pharaoh, I'll gain glory. Okay, that that let's keep that in mind because that'll be significant. Okay, here's the problem. Here's the dilemma. Um, when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his this is I hate this word courtiers. I don't know what that is. I guess it means the people in his court, but his servants. Pharaoh and his servants had a change of heart, had a change of heart. And the language there in the Hebrew is, um, the language there in the Hebrew is, Vayehafech, Vayehafech levav paro, ve'avadav. Ah, um, the, 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 this language here means, um, means uh, flipping upside down. So turning all about, okay? Hafuch is upside down, upside down. So his heart changed um, uh, and the heart of his servants about the people. And he said, what is this we've done releasing Israel from our service? What have we done? So, he ordered his chariot and took his force with him. And he took 600 of his pick chariots and the rest of the chariots of Egypt with officers in all of them. The eternal stiffened the heart of Pharaoh. Oh, here's the doubling of the language. I, I thought it was earlier. Um, the eternal stiffened the heart of, of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he gave chase to the Israelites. Well, that's what God said God was going to do. God's going to stiffen his heart so that um, so that he he chases after, um, and 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 that's what happened as the Israelites were departing defiantly. Um, the language here is biyadrama, which which means with an upraised hand. Okay, so they're sailing out and they're like celebrating. Woo, we're going. We're we're almost free. Hooray! And then all of a sudden, Pharaoh says, "What?" have we done what have we done here my gosh as if we made a terrible mistake we made a terrible terrible mistake okay now that's that's a, there's a question there there's a question there and there's some classic answers but why is that a why is that a question because you know pharaoh let these people go that's all there is to it, the the 10th plague worked. And let's just see it. Let's just see it in action. We'll go back to last week's Parsha. And just so we know that this, you know, 
Pharaoh knew exactly what was going on. Um, oops. Ah, I, sorry, I have this out of place. Uh, okay. Um, after the plague of the killing of the firstborn, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron in the night, and he said, Get up and go out of my people. You all leave out of my people. Gamatem, gam bnei Israel, you, all of the children of, of Israel, ulichu ivdu et Hashem kidaberchem. And you go and you serve the eternal just as you said. Take also, also your flocks and your herds, as you said, and be gone. And then this kind of funny phrase here, uverachtem gamoti, lechu, may you go, and may you also bring a blessing on me. Okay. Okay, so that's it. They had permission. Pharaoh sent them out. Now, Pharaoh does have a wreck, a track record of kind of, of hardening his heart and, and taking back what he said. But this has been 10 plagues now. This has been a lot of, you know, progressive breaking down of Pharaoh's will. At one point, he said, no, you can't all go. You can't bring your herds with you. Now it's like you can go. You can bring your herds with you. Just get out of here. Okay. So then Pharaoh suddenly is told that they that they had fled. Let's just look at that language one more time, just so we can po po pose the question sharply. Pharaoh is told that they, the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled. And he said, what is this we've done? Mazotasin. Okay. So, what what's going on here? What why is why is Pharaoh so surprised? Told that the people had fled. He told the people to flee. Okay. So what's going on? All right. Um, let's start uh, off with Noah, who often gives us a kind of general orientation. So that's just what we need now. Noah. Well, I I've been thinking: Is he really asking? What have we done? As you illuminated, he told all of Israel to leave, to go. It maybe is Pharaoh having regrets through what he had to put the people through in the slavery, perhaps. But I'm thinking that Pharaoh, he just wants to know what have we done? Why? And that's really, could it be that? He's regretting releasing them. He's regretting his actions, or he just wants to know why he let them go when he maybe never intended to. Okay, excellent. So, great first answer. This seems like a, a, a very a very good read of the of the passage in front of us, and there's some there's some meaning and lesson in there. In other words, oh. Pharaoh sent the people, he finally broken down. And as I said, he's always taken it back afterwards. So this is another example of that. But it's the starkest, he regrets. He sent the people out in a moment of weakness and then suddenly realizes, oh my gosh, I just destroyed my whole, my, I had so much power. Why did I give in? And surely, well, he gave in because at that moment he recognized that God's power was greater. They couldn't fight these plagues anymore. But now that they've actually gone, my gosh, what have we done? So it's regret. Great. That's that's one good answer. And I say there's that's an interesting thing to contemplate. Like, what is it like for a, a tyrant like Pharaoh to suddenly lose all of his power and be like, you know, like suddenly stuck in Mar-a-Lago with nothing to do? You know, oh, my gosh, what have I done? What have I done? You know? So I uh, got to get it back, even though uh, uh, I let I regret regret. Okay, um, uh, all right. Let's hear a couple more answers, and then we'll and we'll try to 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 do a little investigation um, backwards. Lawrence, to Larry. Um, well, first of all, I homage to you said Hazak, and. It brings to mind the end, the prayer you say at the end of which um, part of the Torah you read, Hazak, Hazak, and it, my translation says strengthen, doesn't say harden. And um, I, 
I'd seen one explanation that said, well, Pharaoh bought into the original story that Moses gave him that we're taking a three-day jaunt into the desert to make some sacrifices to your God. And then he heard, oh, they're really leaving. So ah, okay. There we have it. There yeah, we have it. That's, that's the other. Larry gives us the other answer. That's the other answer. There's a, there's a third. And, and that, I'll give you a third. Let answer. me let me just. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And that is God has a plan, and um, for the plan to work, Pharaoh has to go chase them, and he doesn't get a chance for redemption, and he knows he's going to wipe them out in the Red Sea. Okay. 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 Well, these answers are sort of related, so let's just take. Let's take that second one, because that's really actually ends up being, in, in some ways, the, the punchline here we've already gotten. Um, because Larry remembers for us that there's actually good reason for the Pharaoh to be surprised. And for my money, this is one of the most glaring examples of of how we remember a story differently than the story is told. We sort of miss the details here because Larry's right, and he said it quickly, this three-day journey. Remember the three-day journey? Now some of you will be thinking, oh, right, right. That's what Moses said. So let's go back and take a look. Let's go back and take a look at what Moses first said to Pharaoh when he approached Pharaoh back in Exodus chapter five, okay? Because this in some ways is, you know, this is the answer. This is why Pharaoh's is so surprised now. And we've answered a question. We can just wrap up and go home. But it's a strange, it suddenly presents us with a very strange narrative. So let's take a look. Um, back in Exodus chapter five, we're in Exodus this whole time. So pay attention to your chapter numbers so you know which direction we're going. We started at the beginning of this week's Parsha in chapter 14. Then we took one look back into last week's Parsha um, in chapter 12. And then um, we um, then we're going back further um, to chapter five here. Okay, and chapter five is the first confrontation with Pharaoh. Um, Let my people go. Okay, the first like declaration that it is this is what we are up to. This is the mission. Let my people go. The famous shalachatami. Literally in Hebrew, it's not let my people go, but send my people out. Send them out. Afterward, after God, Moses and, and, and Aaron had reunited, and they went and said to Pharaoh, uh, Let my people go, send my people out, so that they may celebrate a festival for me in the wilderness. They will, the language here is chag, right? So Chag, they'll, they'll perform some sort of rite for me out in the desert, okay? So that's already just worthy of, of, of note. Let my people go. It's not just let my people go. Let my people go so that they can go worship me in the desert. But okay, that's fine. But there's some, there's some you know, some higher purpose to their being sent, sent out. But Pharaoh said, Pharaoh's response, as we know, was no way. Who is the eternal that I should listen to God's voice, that I should heed the eternal and let Israel, lish, Israel and let, it, let Israel go? I do not know the eternal, nor will I let Israel go. Right? There it is. Okay. And they answer, they're trying, okay, so you said no, but here is a, 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 just another press, another, another, let, they're going to try again. They answered, the God of the Hebrews has become manifest to us. He appeared before us, was summoned before us, um, uh, uh, called to us. Let us go, we pray, a distance of three days into the wilderness to sacrifice to our God, the Eternal. Lest God strike us with pestilence or, or sword. We'll get punished if we don't do this. But it doesn't work. It doesn't work. 
ויאמר אליהם מלך מצרים, למה משה ואהרון? תפריעו את העם ממעשיו, לכו לסבלותיכם. Go and do your, get, to, get back to your labor. So it didn't work, but Larry was right. Let us go a distance of three days into the wilderness to sacrifice to our God the Eternal. Okay, well, that doesn't sound like an exodus. That sounds like a vacation. Right? It's strange. What is this? What's going on here? Moses seemed to say, let my people go. And then Pharaoh seemed to say, absolutely not. And then Moses said, now, what it, this is part of our dilemma now. What is Moses saying? How about just three days? How about just a little festival? How about we just go, it's not even clear how, is it three days away or three days of being gone? But one way or another, it doesn't sound like we're headed to the promised land. Screw you. We're gone here. Okay. So, hmm. We've got a little bit of a, got a little bit of a, like a, 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 a problem here. Because this doesn't sound like they're asking for an exodus. But we also have a solution. Because if that's what Moses was asking for, well, then, yeah, Pharaoh has every right to be shocked. Now that it begins to seem like they're leaving, they're leaving, they're not coming back. And this is exactly what the, the commentators do not miss this. Don't, don't worry. What Rashi says on the spot is precisely that. They had been gone for three days and they're not coming back. And Pharaoh's um, uh, 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 spies came back and said, they're, it seems like they're still leaving. And so Pharaoh was legitimately shocked. Shocked? What? I thought you were just going to be gone for three days. Okay? So this is the, this is really like the, the problem and the solution, but the solution which creates another problem. Now, I'm not sure this is the right solution. I'm not sure. That was a, that little moment there with Moses and Pharaoh is a strange moment because, uh, again, it seemed Mo Moses asked to be let go, and Pharaoh said no, and then Moses pr proposed something else, which is this three-day festival. Okay, um, just, you know, as we begin to discuss this, let's just lay all our cards out on the table, because if this were just a moment, then it would be something to consider, and maybe it's the solution, and you know, we have to wonder why Moses said it, but it wasn't the only time that Moses said it. It wasn't the only time. Moses repeats this, uh, this idea again, notably when Pharaoh, who, as I said before, continues to um, deny their requests, um, but, but gives in a little bit more and a little bit more after every plague. One of Pharaoh's concessions is, I'll tell you what, you want to go out three days into the wilderness and worship something, I'll let you do that. But just not, you're not going to leave to do it. I'll let you do it right here with me. Okay, so take a look. This is now moving forward in chapter eight. Chapter eight, um, what, what was the plague? The plague was swarms of insects, heavy swarms, the, the, the arov um, of insects invaded Pharaoh's palace and the houses of his um, servants, his courtiers throughout the land of Egypt. The land was ruined because of the swarms of insects. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Go and sacrifice to your God. I will let you do it, but do it within the land. Do it in the land. But Moses replied, It wouldn't be right to do this. For what we sacrifice to our God, the eternal is untouchable to the Egyptians. We sacrifice sheep. You people worship sheep. It's just not, that's not a good thing. That will be, that will be an abomination. If we sacrifice that which is untouchable to the Egyptians before their very eyes, will they not stone us? So we must go a distance of three days into the wilderness and sacrifice to the eternal as our God may command us. And I, Pharaoh said, I will let you go to sacrifice to your God in the eternal in the wilderness, but do not go very far. And once again, by the way, plead for me as well. Okay, so you can see it here. Pharaoh says, well, I expect you're going to go three days away, but that seems, that seems too much. So instead, just do it right here. And then Moses says, well, we can't, 
And the reason is now we've got a new, a new uh, 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 reasoning inserted into the, into the argument, which is that the Egyptians won't like to see what we're doing. And so Pharaoh says, okay, well, just don't go very far away, okay? Now, now we really begin to get the sense that this is all Pharaoh ever expected, was that they were just going to go a little ways, celebrate, and then come back. Okay. Now, um, now is the point where we could just, uh, we, could, we could close up shop. But I don't want to do that quite yet because... As I said, we sort of solved one problem. Oh my goodness, glaring right there in front of us. We see that Pharaoh never expected to actually release these people. Or, or did he? Is, am I reading this wrong? Is there another way to understand Pharaoh's intention? By the end, maybe he was intending to send them out, but it makes a lot more sense to say that Pharaoh knew all or thought all along that it was just going to be a short trip. And when Pharaoh heard that they were actually leaving, he was shocked. What is this we've done? Now it makes total sense. Mazotasina, what is this we have done? Okay, but now we've got problems because that's a, that's a new let my people go and not as inspiring. Moses was lying. Moses was lying, wasn't he? And there's like a lie upon a lie here. And Moses is saying, um, the, yeah, no, it's just a good point about uh, doing it here, but we can't because it'll just, it'll be unsightly before your people. We, we really have to go for it. I mean, it really feels like now Moses is caught in a lie and he, and, and, and he continues to prevaricate. So what's going on here? Like, what, 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 why is Moses saying this? What's the three-day strategy? And um, if you... Um, if you disagree with my reading so far, then let's 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 offer alternative narratives. But um, for the time being, uh, I'll 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 pose the question this way: what, what, Why 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 sell Pharaoh on a three? Uh, uh, what's the Gilligan's Island three hour tour, a three day trip? Um, instead of just boldly and powerfully saying, "Let my people go," isn't that the whole idea? Okay, so let's turn back now to Payam. Have you seen the movie Being John Malkovich? Sure. This reminds me of Being John Malkovich, that Pharaoh's possessed by a spirit or something. He can't really control anything. I mean, if you look, listen to the story, there's no free will. All of a sudden, the spirit leaves him, and he finally gets his free will, and he's like, what the heck just happened? Why did these people let go? Go and get him. I never let them go. Okay, good. All right, so in that case, there is a way to read this the the whole story as to continue to read it as regret and that is the the continuing usage of this like heart toughening heart strengthening heart stiffening imagery suggests that pharaoh's um pharaoh is only able um to well no wait a minute now i think payam you're saying a different thing which is that I'm saying there's no free will. He never had free will when he let them go. But that's the problem with the story. Pharaoh never had free will. God took over him with the spirit or whatever. And the moment he actually gets free will, he's like, I never said this. Bring him back. Okay. All right. It's funny because the, uh, the reason I'm a little confused is because usually we, uh, that's right. God is controlling Pharaoh's heart, but usually we assume that the, 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 the way that God controls Pharaoh's heart is to force Pharaoh to deny them exodus. So Pharaoh had no free will in his, in his, uh, in his um, resistance to their exodus. Um, so which is the real Pharaoh, in other words, the one that wants them to leave or the one that doesn't want them to leave? I think that's that starts to get confusing. But the way you're reading it, Payam, is that everything so far has been orchestrated. And then suddenly the sort of the sort of uh, force of God has left him and he suddenly realizes, my goodness. But I, 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 I'm not sure if I can read it that way because it says here that God is continuing to strengthen his heart. He doesn't have free will in this moment as well. Okay, all right. But, yet, but yes, let's play around with the question that Payam is raising, which is, is God just like 
pulling all the strings here? Is that is that what's going on? Is that every part of this, the back and forth and Pharaoh's role, and even now, just all part of God's plan? That was what Larry said at the end also. This is all part of God's plan. Okay, um, let's, let's continue here from folks. Matt Silberstein. I have actually three things that are bothering me right now. Um, one, well, I'll just do one that gets me. If Pharaoh thinks it's three days, why is he fighting so hard? This, this makes even less sense to me. He turns, you know, you guys want to leave? Well, maybe you got to really push me. You guys are going on, on a weekend. You know, you turn, you bring insects good enough. I don't want to put up with that. Why put up with so many plagues if he thinks it's only three days? That just just doesn't make any sense to me that it it in solving this problem, we're making a much bigger problem. Good. Okay. So let me just under, under you've got a few other thoughts about it, but let me just pause you there and and yeah. and say there's something. Like Matt's Matt's suggestion is, gosh, if this is really just about a short trip into the wilderness, it, it, it's it's it shouldn't be such a big deal. It shouldn't have caused all of this. Pharaoh wouldn't have let his entire country go to ruin for that. But I will say, you know, the the counterpoint here is, what do you mean? Like a bunch of slaves tell them that they all need to leave the country for days. I mean, first of all that's audacious. How dare you? Slaves, I mean, don't you get the way this, this system of tyranny works? You have no rights at all. What do you, you like decide you, you'd like a vacation now? So on the one hand, it is a lesser request, but on the other hand, it's almost, there's almost something more insulting about it, right? It was like, oh, we're just, we're going to be, see you later. We're going to, we're going to take a little break. And then I think my next question is, how did Pharaoh not know that they were lying? If that's really what he thought that they were up to. I mean, a bunch of, of people that you brutalize come to you and say, we just need to, to take just a quick trip out into the wilderness where nobody's looking. And we'll, I promise that we will be right back. I mean, like, didn't Pharaoh see this coming? Okay, so it, there's a, like, any way you look at this, there's something quite strange, like any... Any kind of version of this that you map out has some kind of either narrative or, um, yeah, or um, like narrative, it either has some kind of narrative problem or it has some uh, almost ethical problem, like who's deceiving who and um, who's deceiving whom here. Okay, so uh, let's continue to hear from folks. Leah? It's an exciting deception. Let's look at Moses for just a minute. He starts out as a shepherd. He's 80 years old. He's made some mistakes in his life. He has poor impulse control. And now the knife is being sharpened into, I won't call it deceit, I'll call it negotiations. Pharaoh gets blunter and blunter in his, um, less able to make good decisions as he's worn down by the plagues. And Moses moves in. This is the guy we want on our side negotiating. Um, yeah, we'll start out three days and then we'll work from there. Uh, Good. Okay. So I, I think it's, it's very exciting. And because through, we're, through Pharaoh's actions, we're, we're able to watch the development of Moses as a great leader, as a strategist and a great leader. Okay, I, I really appreciate this reading, Leah, because this is, in some ways, the opposite reading from the one that Payam gave us. In other words, one way to look at all of this is that it is completely orchestrated. God knows every move as it's happening and is creating a build and is planning for this to end in a great catastrophe in the sea. And it's all scripted from the start. That's certainly one way to read it. But another way to read it is that this this is the way you would actually um this is the way you would script a a movie this is this is this is it happening in real time and there's um there is deception and there's negotiation and there's trickery and it's because it's happening in 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 real time with real people and Moses 
as a strategist and as a negotiator and and yeah as a as a as a as a, a trick a trickster here that's all part of the drama and isn't moses entitled to trick uh, the person who is enslaving his people like you know i started off by saying is moses lying here and a lot of the commentators are troubled by that is moses lying but you might answer them and say yeah moses is lying lie to hitler lie to pharaoh oh, who cares let's get out of here yes moses meant to trick him okay and that's tada you got you got fooled so that's another way to look at this is that it introduces an element of kind of strategic manipulation and that is the way that we're supposed to read this story that there's like so but that's very different than the the supernatural way of reading a story with God kind of pulling all the strings and both of those things seem to be happening at once here so it's like uh you see you start to see how what seemed like a very blunt question with a very simple solution now tendrils into all kinds of possible narrative explanations um okay let's hear from from um, Joel and, and Alexandra. Uh, yeah, so Pharaoh, as the story progresses, Pharaoh has contradictory impulses. And there are two things that he says that kind of puzzle me. So in the, in the excerpt from, you gave us Exodus 8.24, Pharaoh says, I'll let you go to sacrifice to the eternal, but do not go very far. And then he says, plead then for me okay and then a little later on in exodus at the end of exodus 12 he says take also your flocks and herds and be gone and he says and may you bring a blessing upon me also i don't i don't understand where this is coming from um good great great questions joel great great questions um that those little tags at the end of Pharaoh's concessions. And, you know, pray for me, if you will. You'll, you're going to go, you're going to bring a blessing upon me. This offers us another way to understand Pharaoh's um, perspective here. Pharaoh is dealing with some kind of God, clearly, who has power. Or some people that have access to some power. That we know from the plagues. Okay, so Pharaoh knows that there's a there's a problem. There's there's a there's a force out there that he's contending with. Now, the people, what they are saying to him is, the reason all this is happening is because we God wants our offering. We have a God. Our God is powerful, and our God has asked us to make a sacrifice in the desert. In fact, even at one point, Moses says we're gonna we're gonna suffer from violence or 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 plague if we don't do this. We, we're in danger as well. We have to make sure God wants this sacrifice now. That's the argument. And Pharaoh, who lives in a world of, you know, gods and deities that you call on in order to, like, avert your disaster, Pharaoh understands this and is saying, well, listen, there's lots of gods. I am a god. I have gods. But your god seems to have power as well. And, hmm, you're asking in some ways, like, in 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 a in a modern era, oh, just let me go run away for three days sounds like a scheme. But maybe in the ancient era, we have to offer this sacrifice makes a lot more sense. And Pharaoh hears that and says, "Well, shucks, I guess you got to do it. Do me a favor, since you're actually communicating with a god, you know, bless me as well. Make sure like I that's why I'm sending you after all is to stop all of these plagues. So do that and." you know, bring general blessing. I'm going to trust you with this one, okay? So the strategy isn't just a, oh, no, don't worry, we're not going very far, but the strategy is actually includes a kind of, and Joel's question helps us see the way the strategy includes a kind of, um, a kind of a, a deal, an offering that Pharaoh can get in on, okay? Good. So yet another, uh, yet another way of seeing these events unfold. Alexandra? This is so interesting, and I have so many like thoughts that are not necessarily linked together. Um, I learned a teaching that that in another life, Pharaoh was like rewarded for having his heart be hardened and being the servant of God in this instance. Um, in that, where in in terms of like story structure, 
the hero is only as strong as their villain. And so, so, and then the God of the hero is only, is only emphasized just as God said, it will, it will bring glory to me that I harden his heart. And, and it does, cause that's how we get the, the, uh, the parting of the sea. And, um, and so it, this story of, of God hardening Pharaoh's heart and God using Pharaoh as his chess piece to, in order to teach both the Israelites, but also the Egyptians, what, what God and godliness is and who, what is just, because my understanding is that the Egyptians, they, to their gods, they had human sacrifices, which is not godly, which is not God. Um, and so they, they had to learn through huge shows of what God actually is, and Pharaoh's heart had to be hardened. And it reminds me of the Akedah, in which Abraham is, is like a puppet of God, showing, showing the people that, no, I actually don't want human sacrifices. This is not, this, this that we were, this show is to really teach the people, teach everyone reading this book and teach everyone at the base of the mountain, human sacrifices is not, is not what God wants. And contrary to popular opinion at the time, um, and then the three days, and this might have already been addressed, but it, it shows how deeply, how deeply they were enslaved. They couldn't even go take a vacation. <laughs> it was like, that just shows like how deeply they were enslaved. Like, no, not even a vacation after centuries. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Uh, all right. I want to, I want to, I want to highlight, especially your, 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 your main point, which is, and, and we, and we've heard ver versions of it so far. Um, but you gave us really an account of Pharaoh as a tool. Pharaoh as a tool in that is Pharaoh's only there. The only point of this is in order to display God's power. And God says it again and again and again. In some ways, Alexandra is giving us a, a sort of a very theological read. Like God uses people to carry out some divine. But in other ways, Alexandra is giving us a very um a very precise shot reading of the verses because let's not forget that we saw that language again and again and again um i will stiffen pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them and i will gain glory through pharaoh and all his hosts right so that's and, and that's precisely what god does the eternal stiffen the heart of pharaoh king of egypt and so it seems that god wants pharaoh to chase after them that actually um, the trick of Pharaoh um, thinking that they were only going for three days only to be startled once they once they um, once they are revealed to be leaving. That's all a setup so that Pharaoh will chase them into the ocean because God wants Pharaoh to chase them into the ocean so that God can part the, the waters so that God can bring them on Pharaoh. This is all this is all for for um for thought this is all seen in advance this is all part of the plan okay so that that i think is a very strong way of reading all of this okay let me just pause now as we come towards the end of our time and say um that the reason that i kind of took us down this road is because i i like the torah i read the torah I, you know, I, I, th I think I know what happened in the Torah, but I experience this moment of Pharaoh's shock as, I experience it as surprising. Like, I, something about the narrative has always led me to feel like what Pharaoh was negotiating with Moses uh, uh, about was freedom, when Moses goes and says, Shlachtami, let my people go, it isn't just this long series of negotiations and tricks, but that Moses is standing up for liberation. And the Pharaoh's denying that. So where did I get that idea? Where did I get the idea that they were gonna, they were gonna that they were actually being sent out into the into the into the desert to journey to the promised land? Well, I got that idea from God, <laughs> because that's what God says to Moses. I mean, 
it's not like we just came up with this this surprise at the end that they're going to leave and go on to the land of milk and honey. God says to Moses early, early on, let's just remind ourselves of the first conversation that God has with Moses. And this is now back in chapter three. And the eternal said, I've marked well the plight of my people in Egypt and I've heeded their outcry because I am, because of their taskmasters. I'm mindful of their sufferings and I've come down to rescue them from the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. The region of the Canaanites, the, Hitt the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. So before any of this is started, it is clear that God's intention is that they are going to go all the way. Okay, that's the goal. That's where they're headed. That's not a, a extension of the plan. That's not a late, a late in the game surprise. That we knew all along. And that's why, at least I, I don't know if you share this in the, I am, I, I always think of that as what's going on. But, but, got same chapter here, Exodus chapter three, just a little further on, the people will listen to you and then you will go with the elders of Israel to the king of Egypt and you shall say to him, the eternal, the God of the Hebrews became manifest to us. Now, therefore, let us go a distance of three days into the wilderness to sacrifice to our eternal God. Okay, so now just, that's just so we have the full picture here. Like, again, I hope I, I, I think I'm not alone in feeling like it, it, it's like I'm, I'm a little hazy and I need to clear up my, 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 the facts to remember that there was this three-day period. I forget about it. And yet, and part of the reason I forget about it is because God said, we're going to, we're going to Israel. But even, even in that, in that first scene, God is already talking about this three-day strategy. That's been a part of the plan all along from God's own, God's own mouth. Okay. So I, I, um, I, I think we've done a lot of the, the good work here to, to, to understand the various ways of reading this story, but I, I wanted to present it to you today, especially because I experience it as an example myself. Maybe you don't have the same problem, but I experience it as, as an example of how a, a careful, close reading of the Torah suddenly reveals a much uh, reveals an, 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 a narrative that um, that we can just gloss over, right? And there are there are questions that can be answered in the Torah, which seem to be shocking, glaring questions that can be answered just by going back and reviewing the information that that we've been presented in black and white right in front of us. Okay. Um, I saw Allison had a hand. I want to take uh, Allison's hand before we close. Yeah. Thanks. Um, I didn't want to derail you. Just you closed us up in such a beautiful way. Um, but I, as you were talking, I I found myself thinking of um, the Devar Torah that Rabbi Lawrence Rosenthal gave um, at the synagogue where I'm going to now in Atlanta last weekend, and it was about. Pharaoh hardening his heart. And uh, Rabbi Rosenthal talked about his experience working with addicts and about how addiction can really work that way. You know, like Moses is saying to Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh's heart just keeps getting hardened, almost in the way that like addiction can really kind of like grab onto us and take away our free choice, you know? Um, and this made me think about that because it made me think about when I was in my twenties, I had a boyfriend who was like in recovery and they used to always say like one day at a time, like they wouldn't say to themselves, like someone who's struggling with, with addiction, who's like trying to become free of it. They don't say to themselves, give up alcohol forever and you're never gonna drink again. They say like, I'm not gonna drink today. Um, and so that was sort of coming up for me as we were talking about this, like, are the Israelites just gonna go? Is Moses saying to Pharaoh, like, we're gonna go forever. Just let us go for three days. Um, yeah. Okay, great. So this is this, I, I appreciate this as sort of a, a kind of last pass here, because on the one hand, we've done a lot of good work in just seeing in the plain text, why Pharaoh was 
shocked and why Pharaoh suddenly realized this wasn't what um, what what he had planned and why he chases after them. And we've thought about, oh, why, so why is Moses strategizing in this way? Why is God uh, uh, seemingly setting this all up? I saw very, you know, various answers in the commentators, some of, most of which you gave the idea that God wants the the, the great um, fl- um, scene at the at the splitting of the sea. Um, uh, I saw a great answer in um, in Ha'emek Davar that um, that explains another part of the story, which is that they they borrowed all of these um, golden objects from the Egyptians, and the Egyptians seemed happy to let them take them. Well, maybe because they thought they would get them back. And maybe that explains the language of borrowing is that everybody thought they were going away for only three days. So this sort of like uncovering of like the three-day scheme, it's important work to be doing in terms of just carefully seeing the way this tale unfolds. Um, But the idea here that that, uh, Allison is giving us that there's something about Pharaoh himself that is like an addict that he's addicted to his own hatred, that he's addicted to his own cruelty, that he can't, even when he's beat down because he loses, I mean, he loses his son, right? Like he experiences real tragedy. And at that moment, it's just too much and just go, just get out of here. And yet we are supposed to see Pharaoh. And this, I think, the reason I like, you know, thinking about this towards the end of class is because here, here is this narrative, which we can discover, but seems almost obscured, almost like it's, it's easier to think that Pharaoh suddenly became enraged and went after them again, because that too is one of the impressions we're supposed to have from this story, that part of the, the drama, there's the, the role that God is playing and the role that Moses is playing and the, and the role that God is playing in, in Pharaoh's heart, controlling Pharaoh, but part of the drama is we are supposed to understand We are supposed to reflect on what it means for a person to be so totally um, saturated, so intoxicated, so sick with power that he can't let it go, can't let it go. And so even though there's an explanation here and it is the three days, and now we've seen the way that that um, that might help us understand other things in the story, nevertheless, the emotional force of seeing Pharaoh say, no, we're going after them, that we're supposed to feel that as well, because we're supposed to feel that as the, well, once again, it's a question, is God pushing him towards that? But but we are supposed to feel that as the the ultimate, the Sharon, almost- Sharon Allen, are you- The are foolishness you, of wickedness, the foolishness of wickedness, that you, you could be so full of hate that you would actually, you could, you just couldn't bear that they get away with it in the end and you have to go and destroy them and it ends up being your own destruction. And I think that narrative, even though it relies on, on Pharaoh's you know, shock, which we've now explained, I, I still think that, that we're supposed to feel some of that character in, in Pharaoh, that, 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 that addict-like character, that person who's addicted to hatred. Um, I think that's also part of the story. So... Great work today, everybody. Uh, I will uh, be back in Los Angeles next week and I will see you again. Wishing you a Shabbat Shalom. Oh, and you know, one more thing. If you're in Denver tonight, this is uh, what I'll be doing and you could even Zoom it. So uh, if you want more Parsha, uh, we'll be talking later tonight. Bye.